Amen and amen. Do me a favor, turn to three people. Tell them Merry Christmas, will you? Tell three people Merry Christmas. Man, is anybody in this place ready to celebrate the birth of a king? I'm ready. You ready to celebrate? You're going to have to get louder than that if you want to stay in this place. Oh, man. I love it. That was fun. Those kids are awesome. Um, my name is Monty, and uh, I'm really excited that you're here tonight. Every one of you, I see so many smiling faces and uh, so many new faces. It's incredible. So thank you for being here. I recognize that there are many different people here, many different backgrounds, upbringings. Some of you are like me. You grew up going to church, and this was what you did. Others of you, this might be the one or two times a year when you come to church is maybe Christmas. And uh, I'm really glad that you're here. And who knows, maybe there's people out there that you haven't been to a, a church in literally years. Someone had to drag you here or drug you here, whatever it was. That's, we're okay with that. So we're just glad you're here too. So I, um, a little about me, I grew up in a, in a Catholic home. Um, I'm the youngest of six kids. And, and I did go to church all the time growing up. My mom uh, would wrangle six kids into church every Sunday. But not just Sundays. I went Tuesdays at Catholic grade school, Fridays, and then Sundays. And then, of course, Christmas, we would go again. But for Christmas, for us, we call it Mass. And uh, anybody ever been to a midnight Mass? You ever heard of that? Yeah. Yeah, some, you know what somebody told me last week? They're like, Pastor, we'd be there on Christmas Eve, but it's so late, 7 o'clock. I'm like, late? You don't, you don't know nothing. I mean, we, we used to do it at midnight in our house. And my house, we had traditions. Like, for Christmas Eve, and many of you do too, we would, we would um, always have chili and oyster stew, okay? I don't know what the deal was. Maybe some of you do that. We, not together, that's disgusting. But we, we, you pick one or the other. And the oysters, I remember they were just as big as baseballs. You like have to gnaw on them for like a day to get them down. It was bad. But, uh, but my mom would make all kinds of stuff. She would make fudge. She would make divinity. You remember? Divinity's like this white fluffy stuff. And she'd make this hard, um, red hard candy called, uh, I, gotta, I gotta make sure I say this right, Anna's candy? I, that don't even sound right. I, uh, no, it's not called that, Jake. My son's, oh boy. Anyway, so, yeah. There's a reason we don't make that at our house. Um, but my mom would make all this stuff. So Christmas Eve, we'd eat, and then we'd get candy and, and hot cocoa. And then, as we prepare to go to midnight mass, um, we'd get to open one gift on Christmas Eve. And that was really exciting, but we timed it all wrong because we'd open the gift at like 11.30, and if we liked it, we couldn't even do anything with it because we literally had to go from the gift to the station wagon where we hauled six kids and went to church. So it was torture. So here's my mom taking six kids to, to a, a mass, you know, two, two and a half hours. At least that's what it felt like to me. I kid you not. But my mom loved it. But I have to think it was bittersweet for her because... On the one hand, she's getting ready to go to Mass, and, and she really loved doing that. On the other hand, she has six kids, out of control, jacked up on sugar, and not, don't want to be there. So we get there, and, and a lot of times it wasn't just midnight Mass, but it was a candlelight service. You, some of you have been to those too. Here's the deal. Um, one thing you should never give the Gannon tribe is fire. Okay, that's not wise. I don't know why they would do that. So the Christmas miracle for our home is the fact, not that Jesus was born, the fact that the church didn't burn down. Praise God for that, right? It was... We're not safe. The, and, oh, I, one thing I've got to add. My mom would dress all six of us kind of the same. I, I don't, some of you do that. Like there's some families here that dress your kids and you're not twins, but you dress them in a theme. So I remember one year we were the a cowboy theme. My brother and I had like these Western shirts on and my sisters had these cowboy dresses. It was, it was like, it was like Woody from Toy Story had a family. It was bad. Okay. It, it was wrong. 
Oh my gosh, I could go on for days, but my counselor hears it all, so I don't need to tell you. Um, I'm really excited that you're here. We're in a series, Meadows, we meet at the Beardmore Event Center normally in, in Bellevue. Uh, right by Twin Creek Movie Theater. And it, as we meet every Sunday, we, we unpack different series. Some teach on a topic. Some teach on a, a Bible character or whatever. And the one that we've been in that we close out today or tonight is called God With Us. It stems from uh, a scripture in Matthew. And I'm going to read the entire six or seven verses, verses to you right now because it's the Christmas story. And uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read out of Matthew chap, chapter 1, verse 18. This is what it says. The word of God. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. That's what we're celebrating tonight. His mom, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, whom she was engaged to, was a righteous man. He didn't want to disgrace Mary publicly, so he decided to break the engagement privately. Like So he wasn't going to take Mary on, you know, Jerry Springer and do the DNA testing in front of the audience. He wasn't, he wasn't going to go that route. Joseph, righteous guy, he probably broke up with her through a text message because that's the right thing to do. So I don't know how he did it, but he, he wanted to be private about it. Let's continue. Joseph, excuse me, um, as he considered this, though, an angel of the Lord, I love that, appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She's going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus, for he's going to save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through a prophet, a prophet named Isaiah, who wrote this 700 years earlier. The prophet wrote before it happened. 700 years. He wrote, look, the virgin's going to conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the series that we've been teaching on is God with us. And it's incredible. Emmanuel is another name for Jesus. And it means literally God with us. I love this, and I love teaching on it. A technical term for that, for those that want a theology lesson, I'm sure that's why you came here. Uh, incarnation. If you've never heard of that word, say incarnation. Just say incarnation. It's a weird word, kind of a theological word. I looked it up. I want to just give you the definition according to the internet because everything on the internet, you know, is true, right? So um, according to Wikipedia, the incarnation that I just read about is this. We can put it up on the screen too if I did. The doctrine of the incarnation holds that Jesus, the pre-existent divine logos, and the, and the second hypostasis of the Trinity, God the Son, and the Son of the Father, taking on a human body and human nature, was made flesh, conceived in the womb of Mary, of Theotokos. The doctrine of the incarnation then entails that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human. His two natures joined in hypostatic union. Everybody get that? Yeah, me neither. I have no idea what I just said, and I actually went to school for this. So, But what I'll tell you what I just read there, it literally means God, say God, became a human being. That's what it means. That's what we're celebrating. That God would become a human. Do you know what separates Christianity from pretty much every other religion, and there's a lot of them, is that we believe that our God became like us, a person. 
So, so Matthew, what I read to you out of Matthew 1, verses 18 through 23, Matthew starts with the birth of Jesus. But that's not the beginning of Jesus. Did you know that? That's the incarnation when he became flesh. But what if I told you that Jesus has always been? So Matthew starts there. Actually, Matthew starts before this. Matthew starts with the whole genealogy. He did like a 23andMe or Ancestry.com thing. So he researched all that. So he starts with that, and then he gets into the, what I read to you. But John, a, another uh, disciple of Jesus, wrote a gospel. Listen to what he wrote. He really started in the beginning. John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Skip to verse 14. The word, he's referring to Jesus here. The word is Jesus. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus has always been. He just came to earth a couple thousand years ago to, to, to do a work and save us. I want to tell you a story tonight. The story I want to tell you, I mean, you think about it. The kids had their story time. We're going to have our story time. Is that cool? You guys good with the story? So yeah, so the story I'm going to tell you is, it, it's, it's, it's a conversation between God and Jesus. Before Christmas happened, before the incarnation, you know, and they're talking about the plan. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? Move this back so you can see. So... So I'm gonna, we need some characters. I need some people to help me out. Uh, I, I figured I would play God because it only makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, it just seems right. So I'll be God, and since I'm the father, I thought that my son, Jake, would be Jesus. Jake, come on up here. Give Jake a hand. A little bit of pressure. A little bit of pressure. Jake, have a seat. Jake, now nah, you sit that one. He's trying to tell me where to sit. Just like at home. Um, Jake, uh, one thing I need to tell you about Jesus. Jesus was perfect. Never sinned, so no pressure. <laughs> okay, anyway, so uh, here we go. You ready for a story, Jake? The story is, is we're just kind of telling an illustration of what may, have, what may have been said between the father and the son before he was sent, okay? So son, you ready for this? Your mission, son, let's move your chair back so people, there you go. Son, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to become human, like, you're going to give up your divine rights. Like, in heaven here, you're going to give them up. And I'm going to send you into the earth. And you're, you're, you're going to have to live a perfect life. And then you're going to actually die a horrible death. Um, only, to, yeah, only to come back to life and then save the entire world. Sound good? Yeah, and you thought the Avengers had it tough, beating Thanos, right? So that's what you're going to do. Can I tell you more about the story? Let's talk about it. I've selected a mom for you. Her name is Mary. One thing I want to tell you about your mom, son, is she's, she's such a righteous woman. Like, she's all about our will. Like, she's on board with it. She's pure. She's young. She gets it. I mean, she, unlike the, like the real, housewi real housewives of uh, Nazareth County, she's not like those girls. She's different than those girls. You know what I'm saying? She's, she's, she's pure in every way. And, and you're going to love her so much. But you've got to start from scratch, son, okay? And what I mean by that is you're going to go... I don't want to get gross here, but you're going to be inside of Mary's tummy for nine months. You got you to do that, okay? The important thing here, son, is for you to do this thing that I want you to do and that we're going to do together is you got to be fully human and fully God. And that means you have to be born of a woman. It's got to be that way, okay? So you're going to be born of a... You listening? Mm -hmm. Okay. I just, <laughs> I just put it back. 
back here. Okay, this is a big deal. Okay, it's Christmas night. These, these boys, okay. So anyway, um, that's so funny. It's back there. So, uh, all right. So you're going to have a stepdad as well, okay? His name's Joseph. Joseph is cool, good guy. Um, he's not going to get near as much publicity as your mom, okay? Like right now, we're not even sure if Joseph is going to make the nativity set. We don't know. Like the, we're, the vote is out right now, okay? By the way, speaking of nativity sets, you got to know. Uh, so I'm looking at pictures of the nativity scene, and uh, I run across this picture um, last week. Put this picture up. I've seen a lot of nativity sets, but I've never seen one with, with Yoda. I mean, I, I looked at I'm like, wait a minute. What? I mean, if, if, son, son, if, if Yoda can make the nativity set, I think Jesus can and Joseph can, don't you? All right, take that down. That's, there's, that is so unbiblical. That's horrible. Yoda. And some of you are thinking, where's baby Yoda? You're so bad. Come on. Back to the mission. Back to the mission. So, so funny. Um, let's talk about the nativity set. You're not going to be born in a palace. See, you're going to live differently. You won't live like a king. Like up here, it's going to be different. You're going to live more like a homeless person. And um, you won't even have a lace to play your, lay your head a lot of nights. And when you're born, it won't be at the Hilton. It won't be in a palace. It'll be in a cave. It'll be in a dark cave. There'll be animals, kind of like a zoo. It'll be fun, I bet. Smelly, but it's going to be cool. And, uh, but it's going to be a cave. And that's where you're going to be born, okay? You're listening. Okay. So let's talk about that for a second. After you're born in that cave, uh, I need to tell you, you're going to have a target on your back right away, okay? People are going to be after you. Um, not just people, but you get the attention of, of the devil and the demons, okay? You're a threat to them, big time. Son, you're not only a threat to them, but you are a threat to Herod, the king of the world. He'll want to take you out right away. Before you can even take your first steps, he's going to go after you. So you and your family, you've got to get out of Bethlehem right away, okay? I notice, I'm just going to say it, you're not taking notes or anything. I'm telling you, you got to get out quick. You might want to write this stuff down. Fast donkey, okay, you're going to need that. Um, you know, pack light, that's important, okay? But get out of there. Get to Egypt right away. It's really important. There's a plan for you. Now, as you grow up, son, I also need to tell you something about your power. You're going to have tremendous power, like d divine power. Do you remember, how, remember, son, when we watched... Uh, Stranger Things season three. Remember that? So remember 11? Remember the power that she had? You're going to have like a thousand times more power than 11. I know it's crazy. It's exciting, isn't it? But you can't use that power, okay? So like when your mom, Mary, when she serves you beans, you're going to be tempted to turn those green beans into like chocolate pudding. You can't do it, okay? Eat the beans. In fact, I'm going to say it. If you don't eat any beans, you can't have any pudding. Nope. You can't have any pudding, if you don't eat your beans, okay? You don't even get that reference. That's okay. Maybe someday. Um, yeah, you don't. Don't use it. When you grow up, you're going to be athletic. You're going to want to break every sport record, and you can, but don't do it. Don't do it, okay? Maybe just a, maybe a wrestling championship when you're a senior. I'd like that. But other than that, don't be busting all the records because people will be on to you, okay? I don't want them to know anything yet. That's important. You got that? And then there's a the whole topic of girls. Like, a lot of girls are going to want to date you. I don't even want to get into this. You're not going to like my answer when it comes to this, so we'll talk about that later. But yeah, girls and you, it's not going to be a thing, okay? Sorry. So anyway, okay. Let's talk about your job for a second, okay? When you grow up, son, you're going to have a cool job. You're going to be like, like Joseph, your stepdad. You'll be a carpenter. You'll work with your hands. You'll be good at it. You're going to do great work. You're not going to make a lot of money, but you're going to be really proud of the work that you do. 
But the thing is, even the work that you do, a lot of people aren't going to appreciate it. They're, especially the people from your hometown of Nazareth, they're not going to appreciate you. In fact, son, I'll tell you something. That, that wood that you use to make tables, they're going to use to make a cross, okay? But more on that later. Let, let, let's talk about something else. As you get older, eventually you're going to use that power, okay, in the form of miracles. Say miracle. 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 So miracle, son, like I'm so excited about this because you're going to use our power to show people who you are and who I am and that I love them, okay? In fact, I've, kind, I've, already, I've already kind of marked out a few of the miracles already. Like you want to know your first one? You want to know it? It's, oh, I'm so excited. Okay, so your first miracle, son, <laughs> this is good. You're going to turn water into wine. I mean, is that awesome or what? I know it makes no sense, does it? Sometimes I just do stuff to mess with Christians. Don't debate, was it alcoholic? Was it non-alcoholic? Whatever, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's just fun to do this, okay? That's your first miracle. But once we get beyond that, you're gonna hit the big time. You're gonna open deaf ears. You're gonna like open blind eyes. You're gonna raise people from the dead. And I gotta tell you something, son, people will hate you in that. They will. I just need to tell you straight up. They're going to call you things like a lunatic. They're going to call you crazy. They're going to call you, I mean, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to even say that you're with the enemy, that you're from him. What else? They're going to call you dangerous. They're going to say you're drunk. They're going to accuse you of all kinds of things. I need you to do me a favor. Listen, when they do that, look at me. You need to show them my love, okay? You have to keep loving them. You have to keep loving them, okay? They're the mission. Okay, let's continue. After the miracles, oh, by the way, you're going to hang out with people that nobody else would hang out with, okay? I need you to, no one wants to touch a leper. Lepers, these diseased people, I need you to touch them, okay? No one wants to eat with the sinners or the prostitutes. I need you to sit and eat with them, okay? No, you need to care about people that nobody else cared about. That's so important. You get that, don't you? I know you do. And I need you to keep loving, okay? Because so many people are going to come after you. Son, I'm excited about this. When... The more you love, I put, the more they're going to hate. Just keep loving and know that your dad, your father, is with you, okay? I'll be with you, all right? Understand something. When you get baptized, son, you're going to go in the desert, and the devil's going to come after you. And how you're going to attack the devil is the same way that we're going to teach all of our people. Look at them. See them? The same way we're going to teach them to rebuke the devil is how I need you to do it. So when you're in the desert after you're baptized, I need you to use our most powerful weapon, our word. It's our most powerful weapon. Say word. Word. Tell them to say word. Say word. Word, yeah. Word. Our word is powerful. Like, you know what the devil's going to do? When you're in the desert, you'll be hungry, you'll be hurting, you'll be weak, and he's going to come after you, and he's going to go right for you. And he's going to tell you, if you're so hungry, turn those stones into bread. I need you to rebuke him. Go to the Old Testament. You know that, right? And you're going to tell him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And then he's going to tell you, son, he's going to tell you to literally um, put me to the test. And when he does that, you're going to have to tell him, it is written, thou shall not test the Lord my God. And finally, do you know what he's going to do? He is going to tell you that if you bow down to him, if you do that, what he's going to tell you is that you'll have all kinds of riches. You can't do that. You need, again, to wield the sword. Look at me, sword, right? You need to take that double-edged sword. When he says that, you grab him, and what you're going to do is you are going to chop off his head. Actually, that doesn't happen. I'm sorry. That, I, had to make, I made that up. So we just saw Star Wars, and I get kind of carried away. So uh, you're not going to chop off his head. 
but you're going to rebuke him. And you're going to say, it is written, I shall worship only the Lord, my God. Okay? Three times. Say three. Three. Three is a big deal. Three is a big deal. Son, it's not all bad. You're going to have incredible friends too. I've selected 12 people for you. They're like going to be your besties, okay? But even those besties, the relationships that you form with them, they're worth it. And you're going to love them and they're going to love you. But even in that, there's going to be excruciating pain, okay? Like one of them, Peter, he, I can't wait for you to meet him. He's crazy. But Peter, he, he's going to deny you. Um, he's going to tell people he didn't know you. I need you to keep loving Peter, okay? Judas, one of your best friends, he'll betray you. Like he'll betray you with a kiss, literally. And when he does that, you'll get arrested that night, right when he does that. And after that is when Peter is going to deny you. Son, when that happens that night, you're going to go into a garden. I just want to prepare you for something. You're going to pray. It's going to be difficult. I need you to know that I'm with you, okay? I need you to know that I'm with you. You'll pray so hard and so much that you'll literally sweat from your brow what looks like drops of blood. And you'll be in such agony. Son, you're going to pray a prayer to me that night. And I'll tell you that our will will be done, okay? Just know that I'm with you. Regardless of my answer, you know I'm with you. You keep loving the people, okay? And there's something else I need to tell you, son. The cross, it's more horrible than you can know. When they arrest you after the garden, they're going to beat you bad, okay? And when they beat you, I need you to remember the people, okay? Just remember the people. Just remember that you love them, and I love them, and what it's for. They're going to beat you so bad, son, that you're going to be unrecognizable. And they're going to put a crossbar on you. It'll weigh over 100 pounds. And you'll have to carry it the length of seven football fields to a place called Calvary. And after you do that, you'll barely make that, by the way, but you'll make it. I'll be with you. I need you to remember the mission. It's people. You know that, right? It's always been about the people. And when they nail you to that crossbar and they put you up and they hang you there, It'll be excruciating. You'll hang there for six hours. And in that t- and the worst is still to come. When you hang there, you're going to be in such pain, but I need you not only to love the people that did that to you, I'll need you to forgive them. Can you do that? Okay. Son, there's going to come a point when you're on the cross when the very, very worst thing happens. You know how I've been saying this whole time I'm with you? There comes a point where I can't be with you. See, you know why you're going is because the people created in our image, they mess up. And sin happens and that separates me from them. Well, you're taking all that on you. That's what what the cross is all about. So you're not just taking, son, you're not just taking the the beatings and the lashes and the the punishment, but you're taking all their sin. Everything, past, present, you're taking it all. And you're going to become sin. And when you become sin, I can't be with you. I can't. That will be the hardest part for you. 
In fact, son, look at me. You're going to cry out on the cross and you're literally, you're literally going to yell, Father, Father, why? Why have you forsaken me? You'll yell that. Just know this has to happen. I need you to focus. In that moment, will you focus on them? Look at them. I need you to focus on them. I need you to love them. I need you to remember the goal, the mission is them, okay? And when you breathe your last breath, I need to tell you something. You will, after six hours of hanging there, you'll die. But here's the thing. You're not going to stay dead, okay? Three days, son, after you die, I'm going to send some women to the tomb. Now, son, I thought about sending guys, but I thought, I can't take that chance. They'll get lost. I mean, they'd still be looking for you, right? So I got to send girls, and they're going to find you. Actually, they're not. When they go, son, I'm, you know why they're going? They're going there to anoint a dead body. You will have told them that you're going to rise, but they're not comprehending that. Listen, they saw you hanging on a cross. You didn't resemble a human. You resembled a piece of flesh. And that, what they see, doesn't come back to life. So they're going on the third day to anoint your body. But we're going to show them something else, okay? Because when they get to the tomb, check this out. When they get to the tomb, that, 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 that stone that's in front of your tomb, it ain't going to be there. You're not going to be there. Do you know, you won't be on the cross anymore. Son, you won't be in the tomb anymore because you have risen from the, de from the dead. You've defeated sin. You've defeated death. You have defeated the devil. And because of that, all of them, son, they have hope. Say hope. Hope. They've got hope. Isn't that good? So you, check this out. You need to check this out. So after that happens, lost all my notes. We're still going to do it, though. After that happens, I'm going to hang out with some people for about 40 days, okay? I'm going to show myself to hundreds of people, the risen king, they're going to see me, and they're going to know that I'm real. But after that 40 days where I'm hanging out with them, or you, you, you're hanging out with them. I got our roles confused. You get work with me. So after you're hanging out with them, you're going to come up and see me, okay? You're going to send up to me. And then we're going to send something for them, okay? So. Just grab that, will you? Son, when I send you, or right before you come up to see me, you're going to tell them something, okay? You're going to give what I would call your final marching orders to all of them and everybody. Can you tell me what those are? Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And know that I am always with you to the very end of the age. Yes, son. You're telling them that you're always with them through our Holy Spirit. That's what you're telling them. You're giving them hope. Son, what I've laid before you today, well, that's the mission. Are you on board with something like that? You are? You remember what it is, right? Yes, I have come to seek and save the lost. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. That is the mission. You nailed it. Do you remember who we're going for? 
I'm not coming for those who think they are righteous, but for those who know they are sinners. Son, you nailed it. Those who know they're sinners, those who know they're messed up, that's who you're going for. It's so good. And why are we doing that? Because people are hurting and desperate, lost and confused like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus, they are like sheep without a shepherd. And you are the good shepherd. And you lay down your life for your sheep. This is our mission. Son, we're not just going to declare our love from heaven. But no, no, no. We're going to show our love on earth through you. Emmanuel, which means God is with you and me. Yes. Yes, God's with us. This is the mission. This is why you came. You can just stay right there, son. And I'll finish it out by starting or ending where we started. Matthew 1. And she will have a son. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look! The virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. What I need you to understand tonight and even beyond your Christmas celebration tonight and tomorrow, you need to know that your God is with you. Through your ups and through your downs, you've got him and so do I. Your God is with you. Through the good and through the bad, your God is with you. When you are alone, he's literally beside you. When you're lost, he will guide you. Say, God's with me. That's right. When you're hurting, he's going to comfort you. Say, God's with me. God's with me. When you're weak, he will strengthen you. God is with you. If you're like me, you need reminders of that because you've messed up in areas of your life. I'll tell you that when you mess up, your God is not only with you, but he forgives you. And I'll tell somebody else this. The Bible says when you call on the name of the Lord, that your God is not only with you, but he will save you. This was the plan. Now, it, that conversation, I don't know how it exactly went. This was story time, but you got some Bible, and you got some truth, and you got some Jesus. I'll get personal as I close and tell you that I know some of you and some of you I don't. I celebrated Christmas going to church all the time. And I believed in Jesus since, this, since, since I can remember. I've always believed. I'll tell you wholeheartedly, I didn't know him. I celebrated Christmas every year. And I would tell you that the reason I would celebrate Christmas is because Jesus was born on that day. That's what I would tell you. Hands down. I knew all the answers and I believed it. I had not surrendered anything. Man, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm telling you, I got to a point in my life where I was so desperate and dead and hurting. And I literally had this moment where I cried out, kind of like the son cries out to the father on the cross. Father, 
Why? Some of you have heard the story in, the, in a drug addiction that literally crippled me and my family. Horrendous. And I cry out, and I'm like, God! See, I, I believed in him, but I didn't surrender to him until, five, until like 12 years ago through an addiction. I finally, I finally surrendered everything. It's been a hard road. I truly believe that there are people that will celebrate Christmas all around the globe tonight. And I know for a fact that many of those maybe would cognitively in their head believe in Jesus, but in their heart, there's, there's a void. There's, there's a, a, a blackness. Some of you, when I say that, you already know what I'm talking about because you're there or you've been there. You'll know it. You'll know it in a depressed state or in this state of just horrible. Like Jake, he's never... I've been clean ever since he's been born. That's kind of my marker. I just know that. And every time I, I look at him, I think about my life pre-Jake and then my life post-Jake. My life post-Jake has been, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's tough. But I'm telling you something. Jesus Christ, this whole birth, he grows up and he dies on a cross for you and I. And, and my biggest, like when I was 10 years old in Catholic grade school, I've shared this before. When I asked our priest in fourth grade, I'll this is when I was called to ministry. I, I didn't know it at the time, but I know now. And I said, Father Thurry, do more people go to heaven or hell? And I almost get sick telling you the answer today. It made me literally sick that day. You know what he said? He quoted Matthew 7, 13 and 14. You can go home and look it up. The road to heaven is narrow and rocky. Few find it. And I, I, I could not believe the pit in my stomach. I'm like, you're kidding me. Most of America is celebrating the way you're celebrating tonight. They are. They're in churches. They're going to celebrate with family. They're going to open gifts. They're going to even pray before the meal. The road to heaven is... The devil's messing with me right now. The road to heaven is... Near, he don't want me to say this. The road to heaven is narrow and rocky. Few find it. So I, I, years later, after addiction and got clean... You know what the Lord, because that, that scripture has always bothered me. I'm like, if there, if, then what's our hope? If most people are going to hell, what's, the, what's and you know what Jesus told me? I didn't audibly hear it, but I might as well have. You know what he said? Go after them. I can fit a lot of people on the narrow road. And I thought, that's our church. That is our church. And that's what we're going after. It's lost, desperate, dying people. Look up here. If you're hurting in an area of your life, God has brought you here tonight. I'm not, I, I kid you not. This is why you're here. I always tell people, if Jesus can save a guy like me, the things I've done, the people I've hurt, the lives I literally feel like I've destroyed, what does he want to do in you? And I love saying it. We talk about the birth of Jesus, the virgin birth of Jesus, only to, die, only to grow up and die on a cross. And I love saying it. If a man named Jesus can take a blood-stained cross and turn it into an empty tomb. He can take what's dead inside of you and he can bring it back to life. If you believe it, I need you to shout about it. I need you to get excited about it. The king has come and he has risen. I don't want to just celebrate the birth. I want to celebrate it all. Jesus Christ is it. We get one shot. Our life is so quick. And you listen to me. If you're middle-aged or older, I don't have to talk you into it. It's a quick trip. The kids that you saw singing up here, well, soon they're going to be 
graduating, then married, and then whatever. It's so quick. I, I, this is what I'm asking. One thing. I want you to ask yourself. I think people that don't believe in Jesus or are atheists, they know they're an atheist. I get it. And maybe that's you. I'm glad you're here if that's you. And I'm preaching to you. But I'm also preaching to the people that are celebrating Christmas. You live a good life. You cognitively believe that Jesus is God's son. But you know in the depths of who you are in your heart, he ain't there. See, I knew it. The way I was living, what I was doing, what I was seeking, what I was pursuing, I knew it. And this is for you. I, I need you to know how much your God is with you. The whole message is on that. How much he loves you. And that if it was just you and nobody else, he would send Jesus for you. To die for you. That's how much the king loves you. Know that and own it. And if you've never, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ. And what do I mean by that? I don't just mean believe. I'm talking, you want to give him everything. Control, take it all. You're controlling an area of your life and you know that it's killing you. You know that it's, it, it's taking you down roads that you don't want to go down, but you keep going down those roads. I'm telling you, this is why you're here. Surrender everything. The prayer team, when I'm done, after we sing, they'll be up here. We want to pray with you. Everybody gets a gift. We love blessing people. Take a gift. If you fill out a card and you make decisions, let us know. Don't leave here without telling us that. But I am telling you, I will not, I can't, I can't get excited about Jesus and not tell you that a lot of people will celebrate Christmas. A lot of those people, if they died today, would not go to heaven. And that breaks my heart. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. It's not about good or bad. It's not about right or wrong. It's about who you know. And when you sell out to the king and you say, Jesus, come into me, make me new. You saw the people getting baptized on the screen. They're being made new. Are they jacked up? Yep, they're still messed up. But they got Christ in them. And that's a game changer. And he wants to enter into you tonight. Please don't leave here until you know that Christ is in you. And if you have questions on that, see me. See our prayer team. See somebody at guest services. See any of us. We'll walk with you through that. You're invited back Sunday as we continue, continue a new series that will start. It's going to be incredible. I love you. You might say, you don't even know me. I don't need to know you. I know the one who created you, and I know he loves you, and that means I love you, and he loves you too. I want to pray for you. I, I, I wish you a Merry Christmas. In fact, I would, I'll invite my family up because I want to uh, have our family Wish you a Merry Christmas. I, they love when I do this on the spot. It's all great. So, Jody, can you give it up for my wife? I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be your pastor without her. Angels are real, and this is how I know it, because God sent me one. And without her standing by a drug addict through an addiction that I can't even, I wouldn't even want to describe to you, it would make you literally ill. And she would stand beside me when most people would say leave, and she'd be justified leaving. She stayed. So thank you for that. Thank you for loving me <laughs> in all my dysfunction. And Ava and Jake, I love you more than you know. Um, I just want you to hear from us that, man, I get emotional. I get emotional thinking about where I was. And I could cry in a car and say, Jesus Christ, help me. And he literally helped me. Jake, there are people here tonight that are dying like that. They're hurting like that, the way I was hurting that day. You weren't even born yet, Jake. I pray, we're going to pray together with all of our hearts that 
they'll celebrate tonight, but before they do, they'll sell out to the king. That baby grew up, lived a perfect life. We didn't. And because of that, we desperately need him. That's our only ticket to eternal life. That's our only ticket to abundant life. That's our only ticket to true life is Christ. Father, I thank you so much for tonight that these people would spend some time as a family because if they're in this place, they're family. They're our family. We love them. God, I pray that your word went forth and that people got a glimpse of your love and your compassion and your plan that says no matter how far someone is down with the power of your son, Jesus Christ, they're not out. They can surrender it tonight. The greatest Christmas gift in the world is to give you all of us. Not just head knowledge of you, but a heart relationship. Father, I got to say it again. Because that was me. You know that, don't you, Father? I had head knowledge. I knew Bible verses. I knew. I've always believed there was no heart relationship. That is the key. It's where life comes from, the heart. God, I pray for everybody here that they will fill their heart with you, every piece of it. And if they ask, you will come into them and you will make them new and we will walk with them and we will love them. And when they fall down, we'll help pick them up. And when they cry, we'll comfort them. And when they laugh, we'll laugh with them. And we will do life together, God, because we are family with you at the head of our table. God, thank you for your plan, sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you so much for what you gave up and how you sacrificed it all for us. In my mind, I, there's no, I remember thinking, I'm not worth it, but you beg to differ. And there's somebody out there thinking they're not worth it, and you beg to differ with them as well. I thank you for my wife, Jody, for my children, for my family, for our church. We pray for lost people tonight, God, that don't know you and don't know your love, that you're with them, God. I pray that you draw people in, not just in this environment, but everywhere around the globe that people would, even as I pray for everybody, God, that they would feel drawn to your presence and your love and know that there is a, a pull, a Holy Spirit convicting, compelling, drawing them into your beautiful, scandalous, gracious love. Father, we love you. You are the gift of Christmas. With you there, or without you, there's no hope, but with you, there's hope. And the best is truly yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray, and we all say, amen. From my family to yours, Merry Christmas. We love you.